Welcome to Inside Economics. I'm Mark Sandy, Chief Economist of Moody's Analytics, and this is a deep dive uh, podcast. Uh, we started this deep dive into different statistics uh, back uh, now a couple months ago with the Consumer Price Index, where we take a, a really hard look at the DNA of that uh, particular uh, series and data and try to give the listener some uh, real context around uh, what we're measuring. And today's uh, deep dive will be uh, around GDP, gross domestic product. And of course, to help me uh, do this uh, this uh, forensic look at uh, GDP, I'm joined by Chris Dredes. Chris, uh, hello. Did, Chris is the Deputy Chief Economist. How are you? Doing well. How are you, Mark? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, safely ensconced in your office in Westchester, I see. That's yes, nice. yes. Yeah, very good. Are you back uh, north here or? I am. I made my way back from Florida last week. Uh, you know, did it in one day, sixteen hours. Uh, nice. Five pit stops. Two. You know, my wife and two dogs, and uh, it, it would have been flawless, but we got trapped in traffic around D.C., uh, which cost us. But uh, but uh, I, you know, I, I could. I, I might have said this before. I could be a truck driver. Oh, just give me my Wawa coffee. Although it's getting a little expensive to be a truck driver these days, but uh, mm -hmm. I could do that. But I'm back. And also Ryan, Ryan Sweet. Ryan is uh, the director of real-time economics and uh, obviously uh, in deep with all this data in, into the bowels of the data. So good person to have talk about GDP. So uh, Ryan, why don't I turn the conversation over to you? Why don't you give us a summary of, uh, of GDP, gross domestic product? Sounds good. So GDP, gross domestic product, uh, this data comes from the Bureau of Economic Analysis. It's uh, frequency is quarterly, but Taking a step back, the definition of GDP is the value of all goods and services that we produce within uh, a nation's border in a given year. Uh, so it sounds like a, an easy definition, but there's a lot of key important aspects to that. Uh, first, we're only measuring final goods and services. So intermediate goods aren't counted in GDP. Uh, it's got to be produced within our, our country's borders, uh, and it has to be within a given year. Uh, so... When we think about GDP, you know, the, the, the equation that we kind of hammer home is C plus I plus G plus NX. So GDP is a function of, or is a sum of consumption. So what you and I spend on goods, services, non-durables, so that's consumer spending, uh, business investment, and business investment can include non-residential structures investment. Uh, so think, uh, you know, uh, manufacturing plan, uh, you know, a new, um, office building in downtown Westchester. Uh, so it includes non-residential structures. Uh, it includes residential structures, and that includes um, you know, uh, new homes, uh, broker's commissions, uh, multifamily apartments. And then the final part of investment includes inventories. And then G is government. Uh, and think of the government as a big consumer. They buy hammers. They buy, they also buy planes, uh, boats, trucks. So they're a big gigantic consumer. And then uh, the final part is NX. And NX is exports minus imports. Uh, and that's how we get GDP, C plus I plus G plus NX. And we can riff on this later, but there's all different ways of how you can measure GDP. You can look at uh, the expenditure approach, the production approach, and the income approach. And we'll probably tackle each of those uh, a little bit separately. But I'll turn it back over to you and Mark and what? see if, what I missed. Well, um, you just described the expenditure 
uh, Correct. approach, right? So you added up spending by consumers, by businesses, and by government, and added that up to a GDP. The, di the difference between, though, uh, spend consumption, spending, uh, and uh, output is inventories, right? So that's the swing in inventories. You didn't, you didn't mention that, but that's a pretty important swing factor, particularly quarter to quarter, it can make a big difference. Uh, and that's been the case certainly during the pandemic. Uh, in, in the last couple quarters, inventories have been a key source of growth in the economy uh, and driving a lot of the uh, GDP, the output. So uh, inventories uh, closes the gap between the expenditures, uh, the spending and, and the output. Um, right. uh, maybe you can uh, take a minute while we're at it uh, just talk a little bit about the other two ways of adding up to GDP, the income side uh, of the accounts, the GDP accounts, and the production side of the accounts. And these all things, these all should add up in theory. Obviously, they don't add up in practice because there's so many moving parts here and data issues that, you know, there are so-called statistical discrepancies, you know, between right. these different ways of measuring things, but at least in theory, they add up. So what are the other two approaches to adding up to GDP? Yeah, we were always taught that in, you know, intro to macroeconomics that, you know, GDP equals GDI, which is gross domestic income. So one person's spending is another person's income. Uh, but, you know, when I became a professional economist, I realized they don't add up. I, I, was, I was duped, you know, in my principles of macroeconomics class, but GDI is just adding up uh, uh, the income side of the economy. So we well, sounded like uh, a conspiracy theorist. But yeah, I was, <laughs> I was just cogitating around so that for a I second. teach this to my uh, students, and I tell them, I was like, "Your textbook's going to say that you know one person's spending equals another person's income, and it it doesn't when you're looking at GDP versus GDI because of the well, measurement yeah. issues. Measurement issues. There's also methodology. Okay. They're just different ways. Like, of course, they're not going to be identical, but but theoretically, I mean, it's a construct, right? So, yeah, yes, in theory, yes, in theory, sure. Well, anyway, Sorry, I interrupted really you. So, what goes into gross domestic income (GDI)? So this is the income side. So, some of the things, not all of them, are going to be wages, corporate profits, dividends, interest, rents. Uh, these are all things that will uh, factor into the GDI uh, part of the, uh, the equation. Have you noticed that the uh, corporate profits, which is a component of GDI. So you, as you mentioned, wages and salaries and compensation of labor, plus what businesses earn in terms of corporate profitability. Are they, are, and there's a lot of other smaller components that go up to adding up to overall gross domestic income. That corporate profits as a share of national income is at a, is at a record high. Did you notice that? Mm -hmm. That's just uh, incredible. You know, uh, I, 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 I'm given... The rise in labor costs uh, that we've seen, given the rise in material costs that we've seen, you know, energy costs and materials related to the pandemic and the supply chain disruptions. Despite all of that, the businesses have been able to obviously raise prices enough to compensate for their higher costs and their share of the economic pie. I think I, I don't have this exactly right, but I think it's almost 15 percent of the of national income now goes to corp, uh, businesses, corporations through uh, corporate income, co through profits. And that is that is high as it's ever been in the data. Is that is that just, is, did, did you guys know that? Or was that, is that news to you? You knew that. I knew it was high. I didn't know the exact number, but I knew well, it was I large and growing. 
it could be 14.7. I don't okay. remember, but right. yeah, it rounds to 15. Yeah. And, and you know, typical is more like, you know, 12. I mean, again, I'm making this up because I, I didn't really look, but 12, 13%, you know, something like that. But that doesn't sound like a big difference, but that's, that's a pretty big difference, you know, in terms of, you know, share of national income. Yeah. So, yeah. It may, and maybe that's why the stock market's hanging in. Have you noticed the stock market? <laughs> You know, uh, it, no matter what's being thrown at it, you know, it's Russian invasion, Fed going on the warpath, and now talking about raising rates very aggressively. Stock market is kind of hanging in there. It's only down, what, six, seven, eight percent from its all time high, you know, back at the beginning of the year. So pretty, pretty amazing. And I guess that fundamentally the stock, stock prices are, you know, tied to corporate profitability. And that remains very, very good. Businesses are able to pass through their cost to consumers. Yeah, and that shouldn't change anytime soon. You don't see that changing anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so we'll grow into these valuations, right? So that's that, the idea. Chris? So we'll grow into these stock market valuations is the is the idea, right? Profits will continue yeah. to grow and yeah. You know, yeah. so what if the PE ratios are extremely high? Yeah, I mean yeah, profitability will continue. Right? So the profitability earnings will continue. continue. Yeah. I guess that's unless the unless the Fed really does go on the warpath and then that's another way you can bring valuations down quickly right well, here's counting. the mind bending thing <laughs> if the stock market doesn't go down then then the fed's gonna have to step on the brakes right because it's counting on you know a tightening in so-called financial conditions uh, weaker stock prices to you know do some of the work for them to slow growth but if that doesn't happen then the fed's gonna have to do even more right yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Very good. Sure. Okay. So that so that we got the expenditure side of the accounts, we got the income side of the accounts, and then okay, now the output side of the accounts. What's that, Ryan? I can let Chris do that one. Okay. I'm maybe hogging the other you, two. You see the way he said that oh, because that's an easy <laughs> one to explain. So we'll let we'll let Chris do it. Well, he, Chris he is of, a difficult one. He kind of already did it. Uh, so that, yeah. so it's the production approach or the value added approach. So it's just the gross value of output minus the uh, intermediate, the value of the intermediates. So, right. Right. It's, okay. it's easy to explain, but it's probably the most difficult to actually implement. That's why the BEA favors the um, expenditure approach. They view that as the most reliable of the three. So. Yeah. To measure it, it's hard, hard to measure it, I guess. Yeah. 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 I guess, well, it's, I guess it's easy to admit, well, easier, nothing's easy, but easier to measure you know, output of a factory or a mine or maybe even agriculture. But when you get to the service side of the economy, like who can Sorry. measure what Ryan actually does? You know, like what's his output? I mean, you know, just think about that for a second. Mm -hmm. It's uh, priceless. It's priceless. Oh, it's priceless. <laughs> of course, it's priceless. Right. And it's lag too, right? The output side of the, 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 Expenditure side of the accounts and the income side, they're, well, the expenditures comes out most, and I think this is why we really focus on it. It's very timely. Yeah. Come, well, it's more timely. More timely. Yeah. Income side is lagged about a month because corporate profits, you can't, they can't, BEA, Bureau of Economic Analysis, can't get that together as quickly. And then on the output side, that takes time, you know, for them to, BEA to measure all that and get it. So the timeliness also plays a role in what we, are focused on, I think, you know, here mm -hmm. when, we, yeah. when we look at this data. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Ryan, you, 
have a tracking, so-called tracking estimate of GDP. We've talked about this on the podcast before. You want to explain that in, in what you're doing? Uh, because, you know, that uh, uh, forces you uh, to get into really into the bowels of the GDP accounts to, to be able to do the tracking. So do you want to explain the mm -hmm. tracking? Yeah, I didn't know how deep we wanted to get into this, but we'll go. This will be like a this deep This is called dive. a deep dive. Uh, I mean, yeah. we'll, go, we'll go deeper. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we have a U.S. high-frequency GDP model. Uh, you know, GDP coming from the BEA is reported quarterly, but throughout you know the quarter and you know uh, over the several months, uh, source data, so data that we know that feeds into the BEA's methodology for certain components of the of uh, uh, GDP. Uh, are released. So we can kind of create a bean counting approach. So we can talk, kind of take in the new data on construction spending or personal uh, real consumer spending, retail sales, uh, you know, industrial production, things that we know and you know, the, the, where they feed into GDP. And then each day, each business that we run the model and it tells us, you know, the new data on, so for example, we got retail sales recently. What does that do to current quarter GDP? Uh, and then we report that on a on a daily basis. So we have a good idea, you know, roughly a, a very good idea of what GDP is going to do uh, as the, the quarter evolves. Right. And uh, right now, for the first quarter of 2022, you're tracking. You know, mm -hmm. here we are in kind of mid late March, so almost the end of the quarter. Of course, the, the data, the monthly data that comes in that you're using for the tracking estimate are lags, so we won't get full data for March until April or May in many cases. Correct. Uh, uh, but what, what's the tracking estimate now for Q1 2022? What's GDP going to do in the first quarter? Just a hair above 1% at an annualized rate. We're below, we're closer to half a point uh, recently, but some of the data has come in a little bit better. Now, the tracking estimate will be volatile because there's inherently in the mo monthly statistical data, there's a lot of volatility in it, uh, particularly early in the year when you have you know, potential seasonal adjustment issues. Uh, our current a high frequency GDP model that estimate that one a little bit above one percent doesn't factor in any impact of of Russia's invasion of of the Ukraine. So that data will start to show up that impact in probably late March, April data. So maybe some in Q1 will be affected by what's going on in Eastern Europe, but that effect on the U.S. economy will be more noticeable in the second quarter. You know, using I the have source to say, data. You know, usually GDP, you know, is a pretty good barometer of how the economy is doing and how you kind of think about the economy is doing right now. My sense is the economy is booming. <laughs> you know, I look at the job market, half million jobs, you know, mm -hmm. every single month, but then I look at the GDP of just a hair over 1%. That's pretty weak. Uh, and it just feels incongruous with the reality of what's going on. But keep and, in and mind to that some degree that reflects a very weak conditions coming into the quarter when Omicron hit back in December, in January, so you had, you started from a very low level, and so that might be part of what's going on. But that, it, it, do you have that same kind of feeling that this GDP number just doesn't feel right given what's going on in the economy? Yes, partly because if you look at what's dragging the economy down in the first quarter, it's one component: it's inventories. So we had a big inventory build in the final three months of last year, and inventories are going. We're not going to be able to duplicate that. So you know, inventories, you know. I'm, for example, say they went up by $100 billion at an annualized rate. We'd have to increase inventories in the first quarter of this year by at least $100 billion, or inventories are going to be a drag on GDP because just the way the 
BEA does it, it's the change in the change in inventories that matters for GDP. We're setting up for a weak inventory build in the first quarter, and that's going to pull GDP down by quite a lot. So well, a lot of the weakness is inventories. Well, that that goes something more fundamental, and that, that it's the expenditure versus production. So what you're saying mm-hmm. is spending is going to be stronger than production, right? So again, GDP is production output, mm-hmm. and we're spending more, and that's why we you know feels better. I think sort of you look at retail sales and jobs and everything else, but. It, the actual production is lower, and that goes to uh, the. It's reflected in the reduction in inventory, less or less inventory accumulation, right? So it's it's a difference between output. It's between difference between expenditure and production. The the swing in exactly. Okay, all right. But one thing you can do is you can, you know, uh, adjust GDP. So you can look at something called real final sales. So you can take GDP and exclude inventories. Uh, and then you can look at real final sales to the domestic purchasers. So you can look at GDP minus inventories minus uh, net exports. So that's kind of a proxy for the domestic economy. And I think when you would look at that in the first quarter, that's going to be really booming. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't track that though. It's not part of your tracking estimate. Real final sales to... Yeah, I get, yes, we do. Oh, so we, so what is that? Do you think... Is, how, how I have to is check. Gonna, you got to check. Okay. Yep. No, yeah. but if you look at... Uh, Real GDP excluding inventories will be much stronger than just one percent. Got it. So real final sales are is going to feel more like how I feel about the economy. Mm-hmm. This is going to be correct. Stronger. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Well, this gets to another issue, and this gets to revisions. Uh, Chris, you want to talk about the revisions today? This is this is this GDP numbers has a quarterly periodicity, but it's updated every single month. Uh, and therefore, every month you get revisions to the data, and then you get some longer-term revisions. Do you want to describe those revisions, uh, uh, Chris? Yeah, high level. I, I don't know where yeah. where exactly you're going here, but uh, certainly no, we're, in particular. We're, Just, we're talking uh, deep dive, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I got sure. We could go deep deep as you want, uh, but we're talking. I think what's clear from all these definitions is that they are estimates, right? We talked about measurement error. We even talked more fundamentally about how you define uh, these different items, and so the. The economists at the BEA are, are doing their best to uh, to estimate each of these uh, components based on the data that they have, and it's from a wide variety of sources. I mean, if you really get into it, you recognize the complexity of this problem. You're combining lots of different data, survey data. You're, you're there's all sorts of data that's uh, that is getting updated and revised as as time goes on, and that then causes their estimate for output within a given quarter to be revised and updated as well. So, so the process is to continuously update with, with data as it comes in and then before we arrive at a final GDP estimate. Well, that final estimate is years and years and years yeah. down the road. To uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Because every year, well, they have an annual revision. Correct. They bring in even more what they call source data, so underlying data. Every August. Every August. And then they have a, a, what they call a comprehensive revision, don't they? Or am I mixing things? That happens no, a, every- I think it's called a comprehensive benchmark revision. Comprehensive mm. benchmark revision. Is that that's every three years, I believe? Uh, I think it's five. Is it at five, three or five years? Chris, uh, what do you, your, Chris is- I, I thought it was five. Too. That was my yeah, guess. I think, but, yeah, I oh, think it's five. five. Years? Okay, we probably that's when they that's when they can make methodological changes, so they can make uh, adjustments. I mean, I remember this is going way back, but 
intellectual property uh, had never been part of GDP until they added it, you know, years and years ago. So that's when they can make big changes to uh, their approach to measuring GDP. Yeah, the, the I remember the intellectual property. There was, you know, right now a, a big chunk of business investment is in so-called. Well, there's you mentioned structures, equipment, and there's now intellectual property. And in there, there's this potpourri of things, including R and D, software. I think even movies. You know, the production of movies is in in there as well. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. And that never that wasn't there. You know, if you I think if you go back certainly 10, 15 years ago, uh, and now that's. That's a very large component of investment and a very fast-growing component of investment. It's a very important part of investment mm-hmm. spending. So, so yeah, they, this, they make big changes. So this is a good segue to some of the criticisms, right? One and one big criticism is that it GDP doesn't capture ever, all the activity in the economy, right? So one reason why we have these methodological revisions is to try to improve it over time, right? So um, you mentioned that you know, some of the intellectual property issues and. Hopefully, we're getting better at capturing those. Black market activity is always a good point of debate, right? Uh, whether you like it or not, there are activities in the economy going on. There is output or production of, uh, of drugs or other activities, for example. Should you include those in, in GDP if you're trying to really get a comprehensive measure of all the activity in the economy that's going on? Probably yes, but then measuring that is even more difficult, so... Um, lots of lots of issues here. The other uh, major issue is um, what, unpaid household activity mm, or yeah, household mm-hmm. production, right? That's not captured because it doesn't have a market value, right? So but certainly out- output. I mean, uh, certainly output. Um, give that a by, shot for a while. That's pretty hard to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think by some es- estimates, right? It's, it can maybe it's high. It might be as high as fifty percent or. Oh, is that you right? Know, substantial. That. Well, that's my. I'm thinking way back to my my. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Based on my experience last week, it's more than seventy five percent. You had a lot of household. You you missed the podcast last week, I think, because mm-hmm. Daddy daycare. Daycare. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. There you go. There you unpaid. Go. Unpaid. <laughs> unpaid uh, household household output. You know, yeah. Right. Certainly not getting into the GDP accounts. That's for sure. Yeah. Definitely undercount. Well, I guess there's even broader conceptual issues like for example does gdp really reflect you know welfare i mean right. is that really a good measure of the the you know the, how the economy is performing you know it's kind of we're, we're counting the widgets yeah but is that really the best way of measuring you know how much uh, how how well our economy is actually doing for the population i think that's that's a, a pretty deep question and there's yeah you know, some countries have, like France, I think, have tried to with with the Nobel laureate Joe Stiglitz have come up with different measures of G, uh, some some variations on the theme of GDP to try to get a broader sense of how economies are doing. Yeah, as I recall, again going to the Medrig banks um, was uh, Simon Kuznets, right? With who was the father of GDP, the modern GDP back in the '30s. I think he was the main critic, the first critic of of GDP. Said so I've I've created this measure, but you know, I, I don't I, to like your that. point. I'm counting the widgets here, but it's GDP is not everything. You shouldn't use this to determine whether your economy is uh, is operating efficiently or providing all the the benefits uh, that it could, because it is missing a lot. Uh, it's also ignoring uh, ex- extraction, or you now we talk about environmental degradation, right? That's not captured. Any how you're actually producing all this output isn't captured 
here. It's not capturing uh, people's health or the quality of their lives or political liberty. So there's a lot of a lot of missing parts here. It's it's a measure, but it's it certainly shouldn't be the supreme measure. And unfortunately, I think that it often gets that uh, that place yeah, in people's minds, right? Take it for granted that oh, that's how we're doing. You're right, so, right. Yeah. That's the yardstick. A lot of this comes up around natural disasters. So anytime you have a big hurricane, you yeah. say, oh, it's going to be a net positive for the economy because you know basically you get a lot of destruction of property, but that destruction doesn't show up in GDP, but the rebuilding will. And so on net, when you say it's a net positive, people are like, well, that sounds wrong. You know, you know, Hurricane Katrina did a lot of superstorm Sandy. They did a lot of damage and people weren't better off after those storms. And I was like, there's a difference between economic welfare and GDP. But that's, that was a methodological change too, right? I mean, I, I remember back in the day, BEA did the accounting around natural disasters differently, I believe. And they did account, I think so, the, you know, the insurance losses were actually a deduction from GDP. Uh, you know, they tried to account for the loss. I believe, I believe that's because, that, do you know, Ryan? Do you know that that's the case or not? They have, I don't know about insurance losses, but I know they, they have an estimate of uh, around natural disasters, around the lost output. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so the economic cost of right. the natural disaster. We should actually get Adam Kamen's on. He's our ex, uh, resident expert on uh, natural disasters and all the economic accounting that goes around it. But you, you, you can see the listener, you should you hear this conversation. This is, this gets really pretty complex, you know, exactly how you should measure these things and, and handle them. That's the, the other point. Uh, the other um, kind of missing ingredient is um, the distributional uh, effects mm. of GDP. Mm -hmm. So there has been some efforts uh, to uh, construct so-called distributional accounts. So, you know, what is the GDP for different parts of the income and wealth distribution? Because you get a better sense of, you know, who the who's benefiting from the, the output or the GDP. And I think there's, a you know, some uh, moves afoot in D.C. to try to, like the Fed, Federal Reserve has actually created so-called distributional financial accounts so they can take a look at, you know, assets and liabilities of households by different parts of the income and wealth distribution. So you can see, you know, who's getting wealthier and who's not getting as wealthy and what share is going to the top part of the income distribution, what share is going to the bottom part, that kind of thing, which is really important in, in a world where income and wealth inequality has become more pronounced. And so there's been an effort to try to do this for the GDP accounts, but, you know, uh, pretty tough to do, but, you know, certainly yeah. laudable. Yeah. And you already highlighted the capital versus labor split, right? That's, yeah. That's one obvious way we can see how things have migrated over time. So, so yeah, that's really important. That's the, that's the other thing to point out that given all these measurement issues, methodological issues, uh, GDP from in the United States, it could be very different from GDP in France or GDP in you know China or anywhere else on the planet because uh, the statistical agencies, you know, they have different qualities uh, of source data, uh, timeliness of source data, and they use the data in different ways, uh, conceptually and methodologically to come up with their own estimates. So, you know, we all kind of compare, you know, GDP here with somewhere else, but you do that at your own peril, right? Particularly, mm -hmm. you know, places that, you know, have pretty thin statistical, you know, kind of, uh, of infrastructures for collecting information and data. And you also have, yeah. to, normal you have to normalize it. So you can't compare the level of GDP in the U.S. to the level of GDP in China or the level of GDP in Eurozone. You're looking at GDP per capita. 
Yeah. Uh, or to make it closer to apples to apples compared to apples yeah. to apples. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there are um, there are some international standards, so right that broadly define yeah, how these yeah. should be you know, OECD type of yeah. uh, standard. But interpretation is up to the individual countries and what data they might have available, how they estimate. So yeah, lots of variation. And and, and you know, it, there's a lot of issues. Like for example, uh, price deflators. You know, me- that's measuring uh, prices for things, right? Because we we get nominal GDP, which is you know just in dollars or euros or whatever pounds, whatever right. it is, yen. Uh, but then you try to ac- account for inflation over time to get to, to kind of the real output, not the output related to price increases or declines. And so therefore you got to start measuring price movements. Uh, we talked about this when we did the deep dive for CPI, but this gets even more complicated for GDP because now you're measuring prices for I- investment goods, for example. So, you know, you're trying to measure investment uh, in uh, uh, information processing equipment, computer equipment. If you do that, you can you can count you know the nominal dollars that Apple sells or IBM sells or Dell sells, but then you got to try to account for you know the price changes. Which, by the way, you have to account for the quality changes. When right. You do that. Mm-hmm. So then now you're into this is really mind numbing. You're you know because you can get big increases in real output if you have very fast declining. Uh, prices for investment goods related to fast technological change. And in fact, that was what was happening, you know, back when the internet w- was first getting going in the late 90s and early 2000s, we had very, very fast innovation, uh, technological change that drove down prices, measure prices because of the quality improvement, which drove up real GDP. And we saw, oh my gosh, we're booming. You know, this is the boom times. And it was largely because of the way we were measuring you know, quality changes in, in the price deflators. I mean, very, very difficult to do, very hard to do. Mm-hmm. It makes it very difficult. Um, uh, okay, the other thing I wanted to mention is, uh, Ryan, you also construct um, monthly GDP. So we do. GDP is, at least in the United States, in some countries like the UK and I believe Canada, they, they actually construct GDP on a monthly basis. We don't, the BEA does not do that here, but you take, you've taken it upon yourself uh, to construct uh, an estimate of monthly GDP. Do you want to describe that? We Maverick. Yeah. Did it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now, it's just not like I'm sitting in my basement doing this. <laughs> uh, yeah, so very similar, like our high frequency, so uh, our high frequency GDP model trying to track current quarter GDP. Uh, we also have simultaneously uh, an estimate of real monthly GDP. So GDP comes out quarterly, but we know the source data that is available at a monthly frequency. So we add them all up. Uh, and we create uh, an estimate of uh, real monthly GDP in the U.S. Yeah, and uh, the I think the last data point is for January, right? Correct. Okay, and that showed a pretty big decline, if memory serves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got off to a really conversation. Yeah, Omicron, uh, weather. Yeah, the economy got off to a really slow start to, uh, to the first quarter. Right, and even though it feels like it's picking up here in February and particularly March, Omicron has faded. And despite Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine's invasion, feels like things are strong. It's going to depress that quarterly estimate. The That's the yep. one, a little over 1% growth that we're getting. Uh, yeah, we dug ourselves a hole uh, getting this quarter started. And also on top of that, we have inventories that are going to be an enormous drag. Trade's going to be a weight. So really the domestic economy can be booming, but you get these offsets in other parts of, of the GDP accounts that you know will temper uh, growth in the first quarter. I don't know if we want to go down this rabbit hole, 
but there's still some signs of residual seasonality in GDP. So mm. GDP is seasonally adjusted, meaning you know we try to take away. You know, we know that uh, the economy doesn't do really well in the winter. Uh, we adjust for that, uh, but there are still within some of the details signs of residual uh, seasonality, meaning that they're still not capturing all the seasonality that is occurring in the economy. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I knew it was a, a problem in the employment data, or at least it felt like it was a problem in the employment data, but it's also bl bled into the GDP data as well, you're saying. Yeah, this was a much bigger issue five or six years ago. Uh, when we were starting to you know, really launch and you know, uh, do the high-frequency GDP models that we had to put in, you know, adjustments, so so-called dummy variables, to account for these residual uh, seasonality. So each quarter had you know dummy variable whether or not you know seasonality was a, was a problem. Then they when they did the comprehensive revision, uh, the benchmark revision, the most recent one, they tried to uh, fix a lot of it, and they they did fix most of it, but some is still there. Right, right. Uh, and on on the monthly GDP, why why do you suppose the BEA does not construct that? It's just a matter of resource that they don't construct the an estimate of GDP every month. Because they know that that that's my baby, and if that they do, then no one no one else is gonna yeah look it's, at it. Do any better? Why would they? <laughs> I I, I bet that's that? coming. I I haven't heard, but I I beg. I mean, Canada is doing it. The UK is doing it. Yeah, I mean, they could well, probably do it a lot better than I'm doing it. So. Uh, yeah, I've been confused by that. Uh, okay, uh, any other, did I miss anything on GDP? Any other issues around GDP that we should alert the listener to when we talk about this? No? I mean, you can grill down into GDP. I mean, uh, you have industry level GDP, which comes from the BEA as well. Uh, so there's lots of- Well, isn't that goes back to the production side of the accounts, doesn't it? Correct, it does. Yeah, okay. Oh, I guess I should also, we should also mention that they, there is, uh, BA also provides GDP estimates regionally, right? Mm -hmm. For states and I believe metropolitan areas, you can get GDP now. I believe you can. Am I wrong? I guess something else we should check. Yeah. We'll have to check that one. I yeah. know for states, you're 100% you're right on states. Yeah. I don't know about metro areas. And, and that's, a, that's relatively new too. That wasn't the case, you know, back when I first started as an economist. So that's, that's new as well. Um, okay. Uh, so I think we covered it, right? Any any other things you want to alert the uh, the listener to on the on the GDP accounts, the so-called national income and product accounts? We shorthand GDP, but it's really the national income and product accounts from the Bureau of Economic Analysis. Oh, I, I did. Oh, one other thing I did want to mention, or just get the sense of, uh, given all of the changes in uh, private source information, you know, we get data. Mm -hmm. Companies are getting pretty good at collecting data. You know, we, we work with ADP, for example, the human resource company, and we get information on, I think, 25 or 6 million employees every single month. We have a relationship with Equifax, credit bureaus, so we get a lot of credit file data that provides a lot of information. You know, every, you know, all the big tech companies are capturing a lot of information and data. Uh, do you have any sense of, uh, of, of that getting incorporated into the GDP accounts or, or is the... BEA working to, to do that. Uh, I, I'm sure that's a pretty, there's a lot of thorny issues around you know, privacy and intellectual property, that kind of thing. But uh, has there been any moves there? I have not been following that. Just curious if you, if you know of any. It doesn't have to be with just the BEA. It could be some of the source data that feeds into ah, GDP. Point. And you know, I, I know for a fact that some agencies are incorporating you know, alternative measures of consumer spending, particularly on the services yeah. side, which is you know, it's easy to count the number of vehicles that you know are you know uh, are 
get bought off a, a lot, but it's difficult to count, you know, how many hamburgers were, were purchased in Westchester. So uh, I think they are starting to use some alternative data on the services side. Right. Chris, anything to add? Yeah. I would say just say there's there are a lot of nuances when it comes to uh, GDP measures and what the definitions mean, and especially for um, people who aren't deep into the topic, right? Even the terminology we use, investment, right? Um, a lot of people think that when they buy stocks in the stock market, right? Oh, that's investment, but it's not. So um, it's not in the sense of what the GDP is trying to capture or measure. So I just would advise if you are going to use this measure and use it in models or to make predictions, you really need to get into the, de- the, the bowels here and really understand what all the, the different components uh, actually mean. Yeah. Did we mention that financial securities aren't counted in GDP? So like stocks, bonds, they're not counted. I don't know if we did. Right. I don't think we did. I, I, yeah. so, well, I think why would they be counted in GDP? No, but, uh, so I do this exercise yeah. with my students. Uh, I'm like, where is GDP counted? And I give them different scenarios. I'm like, you, you buy... You know, hundred shares of GM stock, and they're like, "Oh, that's investment because they right. need investment oh, to that." Oh, I was like, "You pay, uh, you know, uh, tuition to Westchester University. Where's that investment?" And it's like, so it's it's, it. it's a fun exercise yeah. for them to learn. Yeah, and, you know, the way you think where things should show up isn't necessarily where they are going to actually show up in the GDP accounts. Think that they go, right. or you buy a you buy a used car or an existing home versus ah. a new car, right? So there are all these yeah, there's both are on there. <laughs> That's yeah. a great point. If you, you know, people buy six, seven million existing homes a year, but the only way that shows up in GDP is the output of the realtors that are right, the, the folks that are actually doing the transaction. Yeah, it's because you're not you're not building anything. There's no new output. You're just transacting an, an existing home for you know another new homes. You know that the construction of that that is output that cuts into GDP, but the existing homes does not. Use cars the same count, way, right? we, Yeah, we have to avoid double counting. Exactly. So like the first home we bought was, you know, it, it was built in 1963. You know, it got counted in GDP in 1963. When we bought it in 2010, it shouldn't be counted in GDP again. Yeah, shifting ownership doesn't matter, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. It's just in from a macroeconomic standpoint. So. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, great. So, um, um, maybe one last I was th- call. Anything else? I was thinking to end with this, um, and maybe you know this, Mark. There yeah. was a Kennedy quote around uh-huh. GDP where. And I can't remember who, which Kennedy, but something along the lines of GDP measures everything except what really matters in life. You remember this? Uh, yeah, I do remember that. Was that a Kennedy quote? I, I don't remember I'm pretty that. sure, but I, yeah. okay. I thought you It's like one of those things. Uh, computers are everywhere, but in the GDP accounts. That, right. That right. Was, uh, yeah, that was out there for a while. Oh, yeah. Who's, who, who said that? Is that Greenspan? I don't think it was Green. No, it was... Um, an MIT professor, how can I forget his name? Uh, really good uh, econ professor, MIT or Harvard. Uh, and that was that went back uh, to- uh, Was it uh, uh, Katz? No, 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 no. Uh, you, you would know, I just- Arthur? Arthur, no. Arthur, no. Okay, no, no, you would know. But anyway, so anyway. That, that's an old <laughs> quip that, you know, we could see c- computers taking over business, the business, every aspect of business, but it didn't seem to show up in GDP, <laughs> but all right. of a sudden it did, you know, we right. got to some kind of, I guess, critical mass of computers and people, businesses really figured out how to use them effectively and got to, you know, some kind of tipping point. And that really then showed up in the data in a very significant way. But, uh, but nonetheless, uh, it kind of highlights the difficulty in measuring 
anything like this. So, okay. I think uh, that's a pretty deep dive. I think we went pretty deep. Uh, and uh, if uh, listeners have any other additional questions, fire away. Uh, or if you, know, uh, you want uh, us to do a deep dive on any other particular statistic, uh, let us know. Uh, that would be very helpful, and uh, we'll uh, we'll do it. So with that, uh, we'll we'll call this uh, a podcast. Thank you. <laughs>